You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. They shall have no other gods before me. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, We'll take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Today, Pastor Danny will share with you the biblical narrative of Moses and his time on Mount Sinai with the Lord. The Bible tells us that Moses went up to Mount Sinai to be with the Lord and receive the Ten Commandments. Presumably, Aaron was left in charge of the Israelites while Moses was on Mount Sinai. But the people grew impatient and made a gold idol in the form of a calf. How often does this happen to us? How often do we get tired of waiting on God's promises so we turn to other things? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter 20 as he continues his message, The Law and Salvation. shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, or you could say you shall not lie. Don't don't raise your hand. How you doing? How you doing with these commandments? Yeah, right. Uh, How about this last one? You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his manservant, maidservant, Lamborghini, his ox, um, motorcycle, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Anything, anything that belongs to your neighbor. All right. They're not ten suggestions, they're ten commandments. And the people already agreed. We'll obey whatever the Lord says. Okay, here it is, right here. Here's the foundation. <laughs> We're gonna, okay, we'll do it. Verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain of smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. They're tired of God talking. They're trembling with fear. They say, you, you talk to him. We're out of here. You tell us what he says. They're afraid they're going to die. So let's get the picture very clearly. Everybody's trembling with fear as a result of the thunder, the lightning, the dense smoke, the trumpet blast that keeps getting louder and louder. And then God's thunderous voice breaks out in these Ten Commandments. And it's so frightening that the people don't want to listen anymore because they feel like if we stay here anymore, we're going to die. (laughs) Verse 20 is almost humorous to me. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
God has come to test you so that the fear of God would be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance. Yeah, they were encouraged, huh? Remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this. You've seen for yourselves that I've spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Now stop there for a minute. What he's talking about here is what's connected to the Ten Commandments and all the sacrifices now they were to offer to the Lord in connection with the giving of the law and the regulations that went with the law, which included all the sacrifices. Are you with me? Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, this is very important. Do not build it with dressed stones. Don't build it with stones that you've had any connection with, you've done anything to. For you will defile it if you use a tool on it. In other words, no human being can make an altar sufficient. No human being. At least, well, let me save that for a minute. And do not go up to my altar on steps, lest your nakedness be exposed on it. Man's nakedness is connected with his sin. All you got to do is go back to Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they realized they were naked. And what did God do? He clothed them with animal skin. If I'm a betting man, I'd say lamb skin. I'll say again, no normal human being can make an altar sufficient. No normal human being. Hang with me. The law is given. The people agreed to do everything the Lord has said. Now Moses will go up on the mountain... And he will receive on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments that God has spoken to the people. God will write them with his finger on tablets of stone. And Moses will bring them back down. And then he'll bring all the other, the plans for the tabernacle, the place of worship, uh, all the regulations, everything connected with the law. And while he's up there, while he's up there, guess what happens back in camp? This is going to be a message I will never, ever forget. I'm just telling you, I just can't get over God doing that for us. Verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. They said, I have no other gods before me. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, We'll take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol. Cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Aaron, <laughs> Moses comes back down and he says, what is it you, what is it you've allowed had to happen here? He said, well, we just took this stuff, threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early, sacrificed burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, 
They sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Another scripture tells us it was pagan revelry. Really? That quickly? Moses comes back, comes back down. I'll read one verse, same chapter, Exodus 32, verse 19. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. I don't think that's an accident. I mean, God uses even things that we do and how it works, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, I don't totally know. But the breaking of those ten commandments... It speaks of the breaking of the Ten Commandments. Now, if you think the rest of this message is going to be heavy, hang on. You know what the problem with this is? You know what the problem with the covenant of the law is? You know what the problem is? The problem is not the law. The law is perfect. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Romans 7, verse 12, so then the law is holy. The commandment is holy, righteous, and good. The problem here is not the law. The problem is the people. So what's the purpose of the law? What's the purpose of God coming down and the thunder and the dense smoke and the scaring them to death, you know? Almost to death. They thought we were going to die. And they said, you talk to him. We don't want to talk to him anymore. Feared for their lives. First of all, it's a standard for Righteousness. And I'm not going to take the time to read that one because i got some better verses to read. But 1 Timothy, uh, Paul says, the law is good as long as someone uses it properly. Talking about a New Testament believer, you use it properly. Because it's a standard of righteousness. We ought to make the laws of the land based on the law of God. But of course, and don't get me off on we can't put the Ten Commandments up. That's just ridiculous. So ridiculous. I said it's so ridiculous. The law reveals man's sinfulness. Romans. Chapter 3. You're going to want to go to some of these with me, especially the ones to follow. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. I read through those Ten Commandments and I go, oh, uh. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. All have sinned. All have sinned. And the third purpose of the law is to reveal the insufficiency of the law. Now, there's nothing wrong with the law in terms of its holiness, its perfection. The problem is not the law. The problem is you and me. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Leviticus 18.5. Hebrews 9. You don't want to go to these and try to anyway. If you can't find them, just listen. Oh. Hebrews 9 verse 6, talking about when the law and all the regulations were set up under Moses. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on the ministry, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Now, this is blood of animals. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place, 
had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered under the law were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order or the new covenant. Under the law... The people washed themselves in preparation to meet with God. And after they washed themselves, they went and they met with God. And here's what they got. Thunder and lightning and dense smoke and fear for their lives. And they didn't want to stay there anymore. Who would? And then God gives them the Ten Commandments from that environment. They feared the wrath of God. Galatians chapter 3. Getting Jesus' bomb. Galatians 3, verse 6. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a different one, just on the spot here. Galatians 3, let's go to verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years after God gave the promise of the seed, Christ, to Abraham. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Verse 19, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. Catch this. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. What in the world does that mean? It means that the covenant of the promise fulfilled in Christ is not dependent on human obedience, at least not from normal human beings. It's dependent on the obedience of one human being the God human being, Jesus the Christ. You know what Abraham was doing when God confirmed the covenant? And the pieces of the sacrifice representing the future sacrifice was cut in two. And it says a smoking fire pot came in between those pieces. What that meant was if you're making a covenant with somebody and you cut those pieces and you don't keep your part of the deal, may you become just like the animal. And God put himself on the line. And Abraham's asleep. And God said, I swear by myself. I'm going to take care of this. Nobody else can. But me. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. 
that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Last few minutes, you've got to be alert. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. It was not through the law, law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value. The promise is worthless because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Did you hear that? Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it might be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. Hebrews chapter 6. You've got to be alert. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I surely will bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised, a miracle child. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever. In the order of Melchizedek, without beginning of days or end of life. Hebrews chapter 9. You've got to be alert. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially clean sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he's died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, the law. Hebrews chapter 10, you've got to be alert. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. I'm going to skip. talks about the offering of Jesus, his body. And then it says, verse 8, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. Although the law required them to be made, then he said, here I am. I've come to do your will. 
He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy. Past tense. Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. Verse 18, and where these have been forgiven, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Say these with me. Come on. For what the law was powerless to do and it was weakened by the sin nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Do you know who you are in Christ? Say this one. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah 53, one more. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Praise the Lord. Wash yourselves and prepare to meet with God. They washed themselves. They prepared. They went and met with God. And all they got was, oh, I'm scared to death. And then failure so quickly. Failure. I mean, they failed. Look Look how quickly they failed trying to keep the law. And even generations later, even those following generations trying to keep those commandments and trying to offer the sacrifices, and you do that repeatedly, repeatedly, day after day, and guess what? You felt guilty. You never felt cleansed. Remember what happened at the cross? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, tells us that when Jesus was on that cross, giving his life, thick darkness, For six hours. Thick darkness like at Mount Sinai. It says the earth shook. And the rocks split. Why? Because the wrath of God. Was being poured out. On his one and only son. So that his wrath. Would never be poured out. On those who put their faith. In his son. At the resurrection. There was no condemnation. There was great joy. And there's a law now written on their hearts by the Holy Spirit. And there's no more guilt. You know what some of us need before we leave here? Christian. I mean, if you're not a Christian, you need to repent and receive Christ. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let me tell you. But if you know Christ, you know what you need? You need to be convicted of righteousness. But not your own righteousness. Now it's a different message. It's a different message. If there's sin in your life as a Christian, obviously you need to get that right with the Lord. But you know, there's some Christians still trying to live up to a covenant that is no longer valid. The old covenant is no longer valid. It's been superseded by a new covenant. And through that covenant, we're set free. And we're made righteous. And we're made holy by faith. It's great to be able to lay your pillow, head on the pillow, and go, I just made some stumbles today, made some mistakes perhaps, but 
man, thank you, Lord, that it's not dependent on my righteousness, but on His righteousness. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is an incredibly powerful tool to fight off the fear that's growing in the hearts of people. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement in knowing that God has come to redeem just as He did in Exodus. Please pray also for us to continue seeking God's will for this program. As you pray, please consider if God would lead you to support us financially in some capacity. If you'd like to partner with us in this way, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under forms. Anything given will be used to share the good news of Jesus. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Exodus. And we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.